Hey everyone, my name is Ariel Jane. My name is Vaishnavi Suresh. And my name is Matthew Oshimoto. This mental health podcast is brought to you by UmHum, a mental wellness app that provides guided meditation, stories, and journaling to help you along your personal self-care journey. Today, we are going to talk about school stress. And since we're all juniors at Monte Vista, we have definitely fallen victim to the competitive atmosphere at our school. And as I'm sure many of you know, the Bay Area is notorious for its competitive nature. Yeah, I definitely at school, especially with online school, have felt the stress. There have been times in class where I can't really turn things in and I really need to distance myself because it can get really overwhelming and almost crushing. And teachers have been really accommodative. Speaking of teachers, today all of our guests are teachers at Monta Vista who have improved their classes to accommodate to the mental health needs of their students. First, let us introduce Ms. Nava, an Honors American Lit teacher at Monta Vista. So being a student at Monta Vista, I know that it can be intense and very high pressure at times. What do you see as a major stressor for your students? Um, I, I think it's um, multi-factor kind of thing, but I think um, the pressure to achieve um, at a very high level academically seems to be the primary stressor um, with, with the pressures kind of coalescing from parents, peers, teachers, um, and then the looming prospect of college and, and whether the achievements of individual students will allow them access to those elite institutions. I think those, um, that is the primary um, you know, thing exerting pressure on students here. Yeah, and, and being one of your students, you've had yoga days and certain check-ins and what was the turning point to make you kind of do that um, for your students? Um, well, I, I, in, in terms of the yoga, I mean, I started here, this is my 12th year teaching at Monte Vista. And um, I, I didn't realize even when I got the job, <laughs> other people, when I told them I got the job here, they're like, oh, really? Oh my gosh. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, I didn't realize the level of the, the even out in the community, there's such a, a reputation <laughs> for good and for ill that Monta Vista has. Um, and I, I realized quickly being here and actually working with students it doesn't seem like students have as much room to be adolescents <laughs> um, because it's like this constant pressure to be pre-professional and prepare your CV and your resume and everything like that. And I, I know that I have a limited amount of impact and it's within my classroom. This is the space that I do have some measure of control over. And I realized early on that like, if I were to do some very brief thing with each of my classes for like 15 minutes one day, um, I would reach like 140 students. And that was a really interesting eye-opening prospect for me. And so when I started doing things like thank you carding, um, and I was like, imagine all the people that could, that could, this could, ben could benefit from this. And I've always, I, I mean, I practiced yoga literally since I was a toddler. My grandmother used to like do yoga with me. And um, I came back to it around college and I got more serious about it. And I realized, especially as I got deeper into it, how, how transformative it was for me to help me 
be able to kind of step away and be kind of meta about the ways that you get caught in habitual thinking or negative thought patterns, or, you know, you have this kind of reflexive habits that are really toxic <laughs> and they're kind of playing out in your mind. And I realized how, how transformative it was for, for me to allow yoga to help me retrain my mind in ways that were healthier and weren't so attached and fixated on things that didn't matter or were just producing anxiety. And I thought, I think students would really benefit from this. So I, I actually started, I don't remember what year it was. It was a, a numerous years ago now, but I decided I wanted to deepen my own yoga practice. And so I did a teacher training um, and I never intended like, I'm going to go and try to, you know, get a job on the side doing yoga. Like, I don't want to get paid for that. It's just something that I, I enjoy and it's enriching. And I just wanted to bring that into the classroom in little bursts here and there when it's appropriate or when we have a couple of minutes and, and offer that as, as, as something to share with students as a tool um, to help ground them or just maybe even just momentarily step away from the anxiety that can hijack your mind <laughs> and cultivate some other space that is more peaceful and calming. Um, because I think that that's another tool that everyone could take with them into any scenario. It's really unobtrusive before a major exam to take like a minute or 30 seconds to, to tune into the breath and calm yourself, you know, or um, to just kind of check those negative thought patterns that become habitual and try to rewire things and not have them be so habitual. So um, I think I just came to these things uh, in time, somewhat intuitively recognizing that when I got positive feedback from students about, oh, it was nice when we did yoga or, oh, I still remember when we did yoga in your class or when we finished like, oh, I feel so much more calm, <laughs> you know? And I was like, good, <laughs> I wish you felt that a lot more often in your day, but you know, if you can't, then I can give these little tiny doses here and there when possible. Um, and yeah, I, I think that, I, I know that there's a lot of efforts on the part of many other staff members to get at similar types of interventions and bringing students awareness to their mental health to um, alleviate the stress that they have, knowing that we contribute to it. You know, it's like, it's, it's kind of a strange paradox. However, one thing that I've been a little weary about is overloading students. Like I remember we had this guy, Ronnie Habib, come to our school and do a professional development with teachers about how you can just do these tiny little start of class things and, you know, break it up, make it more fun, connect with your students. And then the next like week, every single teacher did one of those. And I'm sure the students were like, <laughs> again, every class, every day, you know, like I don't want it to be artificial. And I think that each teacher has to kind of come to their style and their, their way of doing it um, in a way that's authentic to them. Um, and I know that that's how I got to do the things that I do more regularly too. Yeah, that's definitely, I don't know, there's so many different aspects to it that I haven't thought of before. Um, but do you think that Monta Vista is significantly, well, I, I know Monta Vista, the kind of environment that surrounds students is significantly different than other high school. And have you taught at other or previous high schools before you came to Monta Vista? And how was it different? I, I 
have only taught at Monta Vista and um, as you know, like a credentialed teacher. Um, but in my student teaching, I taught at schools um, in Watsonville and Pajaro uh, Valley and um, Aromas, California, very different places than, than the Bay Area. Um, and what I found there, granted, I, it, that was during one year of my teacher training, but um, what I found there were starkly different concerns on the minds of students. Um, in the schools that I taught there, there were children of migrant farmers and undocumented people. And so when I remember when we came back from winter break, um, there, one of my master teacher's students couldn't come back to the US because they had gone to see family in Mexico and then they couldn't get back. So their schooling was disrupted. That was that was a big jarring thing. Um, I remember um, another student um, was distraught because she, her cousin had been murdered. <laughs> and um, other kids, I, I worked in an after school program at a middle school um, and those kids had been exposed to things that, that were traumatizing to them. And so the different concerns of students in, in different districts are vastly um, detached from a lot of the concerns that I see among Monta Vista students. That's not to say that there aren't traumas happening to students that go to Monta Vista. I know over the years that that is also something present, even though it's very kind of, you know, shameful and secret and like kept away. Um, at, but I think predominantly at Monta Vista, it, it is about the anxieties of achieving, doing one's family proud um, and personal kinds of fulfillment and whatnot. Um, and those are all, you know, good adm admirable things. But um, at the same time, I think it's very easy for students who, who live here. I mean, at this point, it's a cliche that this is a bubble, right? But, but the thing is that that has been repeatedly reinforced as I talk to alumni when they come back from college and they're like, oh, there's a whole world out there. <laughs> like, it's not like Cupertino and all these other places. And it's a refreshing discovery for them. And, um, and, and I love to hear about, you know, how they've, they've, had the bubble burst or seen different perspectives or met different people. And um, so, yeah, there's in, in other schools. And I remember when I started at Monta Vista too, you know, I went to UC Santa Cruz and the teaching program there was very much about social justice. And I remember feeling um, a kind a guilt for taking the job here, knowing that I wasn't going to be serving students at underserved schools. And, you know, I went through all kinds of rationalizations for that, like, well, but I can have an impact on students that are going to go on to be le leaders of industry and things like that. And if they're aware of issues and they go into those places where they have power, then they might have the power to change things. I still, I, I believe in that, but I also recognize that it's kind of a rationalization to help me feel better about not teaching in underserved schools. So, um, yeah.
Okay, now in the time that you have been here and in the time that you've been doing your yoga days and checking in with your students, are there any changes that you've seen in students like in comfortability levels or like increased connection, better grades? Um, I don't know about grades. Grades are kind of a hard thing to do. I think, I think what I've recognized is it's almost like I'm giving students permission to ask for flexibility and acknowledging their humanity. And before it felt kind of like students were afraid and they didn't want to ask for, um, you know, extending a deadline or they didn't want to ask for things because they were afraid that, you know, I would bite their head off over it and like get mad at them and like punish them or, or, or have a bad view of them going forward. And um, I think that's really uh, disturbing, you know, that I've seen a lot of students conditioned and or traumatized by their experiences that they expect from me as their teacher, certain kinds of behavior that do limit their humanity and, and recognizing that they, you know, have circumstances that they're going to have to negotiate from time to time. I think that it has improved the, the interactions I have with students. I think that a lot of students view me less like an adversary and more like someone that is, is meant to support their learning. And that's ideally what I hope students see in me. Um, but I recognize that not all students are primed or prepared or have experiences that would allow them to do that. If there was one thing that you could share about mental health um, to teens across the Bay Area, California, or the nation, anybody in high school, really, what would you want to tell them? Um, I think when you see warning signs, you you don't feel well, something feels off, you really need to trust your intuition and and do something, reach out to someone, um, reach out and, and intervene for your own sake. Um, because one thing that I've recognized um, is that sometimes the, the symptoms of mental health issues um, are when a student's academics kind of decline. And that's a symptom. That's not the point. That's not the only thing that I care about or the student should care about or their parents should care about. But that's symptomatic of something else going on. And so um, I, I, would, I would just urge them to um, seek support so that um, you know, they're not fixated on academics and that they really are allowing themselves the space to be healthy emotionally. Moving on, our next teacher is Ms. Belshi, an AP U.S. History teacher at Monte Vista. As mentioned before, Monte Vista can come with a lot of added pressure and stress for us students. So I was just wondering what you see as the major stressors for us. I think a, a lot of the main stressors come from students themselves. And a lot of it is the comparison with their peers, right? Every, everyone feels like everyone else is doing more or is able to pick things up easier than I am. And no, kind of universally people feel that way, um, but there's not yet a culture, I think, where people feel open about talking on, this is what I had difficulty with. I didn't quite like understand this piece or man, like I kind of struggled over here. Um, and so I think because students are hiding that more, they can feel more isolated 
in kind of their difficulties, act both academically and socially with what's happening rather than having right this kind of open communication environment about it and the expectation that everyone struggles in different ways and in different times and has difficulty. And how we get better is being able to openly talk about it, right? And share it and kind of keep working through those pieces. And also kind of shifting the conversation to your scheduled days when we're off Zoom in class. Personally, I really enjoy those days. It's a nice break from Zoom, like every other class is on Zoom. And it's just nice having a push off some days. So I was hoping you could explain your decision to have some days off of Zoom. Yeah, I actually got this idea talking with um, some other teacher friends of mine who all teach in the district. So we're all on the same schedule right now. All everything is on Zoom. Um, and one was talking about how he had had a non-Zoom day with his class, with the students, and this overwhelmingly positive feedback they got from the students. And I was thinking about that. I was like, this is a fantastic idea. And so I tested it out with the first one um, and then asked for feedback right from the students about it. Like, how was it? Did you enjoy having the time off Zoom? But we also right still had work that we were doing. So it was also questions of, did the instructions make sense? Like, did everything work out okay? Uh, and it was overwhelmingly positive. Students really appreciated not having to log into Zoom, even just right for one class to have that little bit of a break, able to do work in another area somewhere else. Um, our work didn't have to be done right in that very strict time. And so I just got such good positive feedback from it. And I also noticed that students were chatting and talking right and open in this next class period and part of it i think is because we had that little bit of a break with it so ever since then now i've been doing the non-zoom class days um really at least once a month that we've had those just to get but that little bit of a break um from the screen time with zoom because zoom can be emotionally exhausting in a very different way, right? Than when we were in person. Because when you're in person, you're still getting a lot of the emotional connection and cues versus right with Zoom, having kind of that artificial barrier with it in person can be tough. And so I think just giving everyone, but essentially giving students the break from that because y'all will have so many in a row. So I just really wanted to give a little bit of space and time and freedom within that. What are some of the pieces of feedback that your students gave about Zoom off Zoom days? Uh, the biggest one is just appreciate not having to right, like log in um, and feel that like stress of what am I doing and what's happening right now is that they felt like they were able to kind of more on their own pacing go through pieces. So I found that was the big one it was about the pacing rather than the pacing that I set, right? Which we often, we have to do as teachers for a lot of it is like, this is the time frame that we have, but to be able to give occasionally these moments where it's take whatever time you want with it and we'll be able to work around that was really nice. Yeah, definitely. And do you think other teachers should also try to implement this in their classroom? I do. I, I have talked to some other teachers about it. 
um, and express to them how both for my sake and for students, the, this positive feelings that we've had on non-Zoom days. And so I, I think some other teachers are gonna start doing a few, a few, at least a few, or maybe just one to try it out to see how it goes for them. I hope so, I think they will. And then also when we return to in-person school, um, obviously it's, it wouldn't be like an off Zoom day, but do you think you'd continue doing something similar to this? I do. I actually do think it would be really nice, right, to have whether whether it's once a month or, you know, once six weeks grading period, kind of a, a like a catch all day almost. Right. Like we, we, we've had work and things and it's OK, today it's for whatever you know we're working on, what are pieces that people kind of individually need to work on and to have and almost like a study hall within a push. Right within it for it. I, I do I do see value in being able to bring this type of day back into person, yeah. Um, and then overall, how important do you, do you think it is for teachers to implement measures about mental wellness in their classrooms? I think it's really important. And it's so important for our students to know that right, we're not going to be able to have a magic fix for everything that's happening. But the fact that I want them to see that we are trying and we are open. And I think that will help lead to better conversations, right, amongst students and teachers. I think that will lead to students being more comfortable for asking for help asking right for extensions asking for like i have three tests to say one of them's a push can i take it at another time and the answer is yes thank you for asking let's figure this out um so i think it really helps lead to that better communication um and that can help with social emotional health our final speaker is Ms. mccracken an honors chemistry teacher at monta vista Great. Um, so uh, being a student at Monta Vista, I, I definitely felt the pressure last year. And I know um, being your student specifically, I know that you saw that pressure come up once in a while. And I was wondering what you saw as some of the major stressors for your students. I feel like everybody is under uh, stress, maybe is is a strong word, but I think that there's, um, or maybe not a strong word. I'm just thinking that I think that everybody right now is being impacted by what's going on around us. And that might look different to different people. And I think if we just use the word stress, it might be stress of what's going on in their home. It might be stress from school. It might be stress from the community. It might be stress from listening to the news on what's going on on the planet. And I think that we're all impacted by all of that. So um, it's not, I would, it's one specific thing. I think that there's a lot of different levels to the stress. Yeah, uh, I definitely think that this year has been unlike any year. Um, especially in Monta Vista because there's so much going on with COVID and then the election season really um, and all of the things that were talked about during that time, though important, could have put a lot of weight on students. So I think it, it was really important for finding effective ways to kind of deal with that stress because stress happens no matter 
who you are, right? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And I know that you have a gratitude month for your students. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that. Sure. I think that coming from a place of gratitude helps perspective. I think that often what's around us is um, people often are looking at the challenges and what's not working. And I think perspective is really important. And if you can start from a place of seeing what's working, it just makes me smile. And I just watch it with my students. And I think, I think that it's, uh, it feels like magic in terms of changing perspective. Definitely. And um, I know that there was a little bit of research uh, that you did. And I, after the unit, I did some myself. And apparently it's really, really effective in reducing like the effects of depression, and anxiety and different mental health disorders, which I thought was phenomenal how like you could change your perspective on everything and your entire life changes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I also appreciate that science has been able to back it up. Um, it's something that I can feel is different, I can see in my students is different, and I love as a science teacher that there is science to support that. There's scientific research that supports that as well. And um, I was wondering, why did you start having gratitude months in the first place? Oh, that's a great question. I've been doing it for quite a number of years and now I want to go back and see how long. Um, a couple of years ago, I went to a maybe four or five day uh, seminar at a place called 1441. It's near Santa Cruz and there was a lot of um, scientific research backing up different um, different uh, now I can't even remember all of the different kinds of activities that they talked about in terms of changing mindset um, but it was one that I really took away and when I started to look at it and hear about this research on that if you want to change a belief one I loved hearing that the brain has this kind of plasticity and because that's that's new research. Uh, 20 years ago, I don't think that we knew that you could change your thinking and you could change your brain, which I love that idea. Um, and also I learned that 21, if you hear the dog barking, I apologize, um, that if you do something for 21 days, you can change a habit. And so, I thought 21 days is a commitment that's really possible. So I want to share that I know this with my students because I really feel like my job as a teacher is not just to teach chemistry. And I'm, it's really important to me. Um, now I think more than ever, Vashnavi, but the idea of self-care and building community are number one and two and then comes chemistry yeah and i definitely i definitely felt that when i was in your class last year 
And I thought that was my favorite part about learning chemistry. And um, I thought that me being someone, I've actually been through a few mental health issues myself. And um, I thought that what I took out of high school specifically was not the um, the lessons that were taught, though those were very important and interesting. It was like the life lessons that I learned, knowing how to cope with this completely different type of stress that I thought was really valuable and taking with me for the rest of my life. And that was my favorite part about your class last year. It's that there were so many of those life lessons that I could really feel that I learned and I felt like I grew as a person. And um, to me, thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate it. Um, well, I had a couple more questions. The next one I really wanted to ask was like, how did you see that your students and yourself benefit off benefited off of um, filling out these gratitude journals? Well, one of the things that I can share with you is that I have had a number of students come back to me, uh, whether it's a year later or two years later and share with me that they have continued to write a gratitude journal and how much they um, could see its impact in their life. So that's really exciting. Um, and then you asked me something else. What's, what was your question again? Um, how have you benefited off of gratitude journaling if you do it still? Mine is not as much uh, written, although once in a while I do write it down, but I'm very conscious of every day taking time to think about what I'm grateful for. So right now uh, I'm not going, I'm not driving to school. I go to school some days, but before when I used to drive to school, <clears throat> excuse me, it was my intention that I would get in my car and start my car and why it was warming up, I would take the time to think of three things I was grateful for. Or I would do it right before I went to bed when I looked back at my day. Sometimes I would, sometimes I do it more than once. Sometimes I'll do it a lot. I feel like I have so much to be grateful for. And I, I love thinking about it. Yeah, um, I definitely felt that way too last year. And I think um, of all the things that we learned in chemistry, that was my favorite unit. And um, it was really fitting, especially because I remember around the time we started it, um, I was really stressed and um, I was like a nervous wreck. And it was really interesting how such a small thing as to give three things I was grateful for just completely changed my mindset. It was, it was incredible. <laughs> How fun! Mm -hmm. Yeah, little a little tool that can make a big difference. Yeah. Uh, well, that's all the questions I have for you. Um, thank you so much once again for agreeing to speak with me. I thought this was, I thought that your lesson from last year and this conversation especially were just incredibly valuable to me, and I hope that it will be very valuable to the listeners of this podcast. Vaishnavi, so nice to see you. And I, thank you for sharing with me the impact it made on you. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Take care of yourself. You too. Okay, um, thanks. That was great to hear from three different teachers and learn how they incorporate mental wellness at Monta Vista High School. These teachers really did so much to improve their classrooms. Yeah, and I think that if I had this in my classroom, remote learning would be a lot less stressful.
Yeah, and students have so much going on, and it's great to see that more teachers are encouraging and supporting their students' mental health right now more than ever. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. Feel free to listen to other episodes on this series and share with your friends and family. And if you're interested in continuing to learn and explore about mental wellness, consider downloading the UmHum mobile app on the App Store or on Google Play Store. Thank you.